Uh, we've got a handful of weeks here where we're going to be talking about just kind of these, these things before we kick off our, our next series. Um, and there's a, there's a real thread that the Lord's been doing, I, I would say, even since Lent in this church. And I, I was kind of leaning into a little bit through our, our Lenten series, and I think Melissa came out and she just said it. And then I think Leah came out and she just said it again. So I'm going to come out and say it just yet again. <laughs> and, and this is kind of that gap that we were talking about, almost like what we were saying before, the, the difference between maybe who we are and who we want to be. The, the difference between who we are today and who we've been called to be as a people of God. The, the difference between the self that I know and the self that I know we will be. Uh, who's been to the Grand Canyon? Yeah, it, it, it's... It, it's a pretty majestic hole, isn't it? <laughs> I've, I've got this, this, this picture of, uh, of Karis and I. Um, you know, I, I went there with her, and, you know, I stood there on, on the side of this great canyon. <laughs> what are you saying? You saying the gray? Is that? Um, yeah, this wasn't even, uh, we were actually out there for a pastor's conference, so that, that this was even during ministry time. This is what y'all have done to me. You've made me gray. <laughs> no, but, but we went to the Grand Canyon, and, you know, and I looked at it, and it is, it is, it's beautiful and majestic and wonderful. And after about 30 seconds, I just thought, it's a big hole. <laughs> 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 you know, and, and it's like, where else can we go with this? And, and, and kind of the, the, the theme for the all that we're going to be talking about today is to mind the gap, to, to, pay, to pay attention and the proper attention to this gulf between things. The scripture for us is Philippians 3. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. The Greek word is rude, <laughs> and it refers to something worse than garbage. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Here we go. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already obtained my goal. There's a distance. There's a gap. There's a striving. There's a longing. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view on things. And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I've often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies. They will be like his glorious body. There's a lot of that. I think in, in 
churches like ours, we do ourselves a great service when we read a chunk of scripture and not just, just pick things out and just kind of skip over them. Th- this is a chunk of scripture for us to realize the fullness of what Paul is trying to say to us. We're going to get into some, some classic Christian stuff, sin and, and holiness and things like that today, so hunker down. Um, <laughs> we, we had a, a dumb family game growing up, which I don't expect anybody else here to ever heard of or practice, and I, I showed it to my kids, and they made fun of me, as they should have. The game was called Drinking Not Drinking, and the way you played was by either drinking or not drinking. <laughs> so you would take your glass of water at dinner, and you would hold it up to your lips, and everybody would guess if the person was drinking <laughs> or not drinking. <laughs> we did this, like, every night. I have no idea why, <laughs> and so, like, even still, like, we go to restaurants now, and, and we'll see my dad, and we'll go, drinking and and he'll he'll, s- he'll spit it out because he actually was drinking and it was funny because he remembered all this and, and and this is why we did this i don't know <laughs> and why my kids continue to do it i don't know but here's the thing i want you to, to think about we've reduced often this idea of holiness to sinning and not sinning right when we think of holiness is that really all that it is is sinning or not sinning holiness in the definition of this, is when something is set aside for God himself. It's when there's a gap that's been created between something and the common everyday purpose. If you have a sacred vessel, you don't use it for your common everyday uses. It's set aside. There's a gap between it. And, th- and the way I want us to think about holiness is that we join with God on his side of this gap. So here's the, the difference between all these things. Here's the difference between heaven and earth. And what we do is we find where God is and we join with him by the power and grace of Christ that we are on that side of the gap. And there is now a distance between who I once was and who I now am. We've moved that distance from one thing to the other. That's the understanding of holiness that I want us to hold on to as a church. It's not that we're not sinning. I'm not for sinning. Don't misunderstand me. (laughs) It's not that we're not sinning, but it's that we've joined with Christ himself. We've joined with him in his sufferings. We've joined with him that even in his death, somehow we might join with him in his resurrection. We made a gap on the other side as we've come close to him. (coughs) The idea of holiness is one of space and of distance, not just worth or cleanliness or goodness. Think about when you've been out playing, right? Right? hands get dirty. Kids can't come in just from playing and, and go eat. They've got to first clean themselves up because is playing bad and wrong and they shouldn't have done it because they got dirty? No, it's great. I'm glad you're out there playing. Now wash your hands. We're going to eat, right? We have to do something to separate ourselves from what we were doing before. In Leviticus, this might make some of you uncomfortable. Women would be marked unclean once a month. Anybody know why? <laughs> yes. Theological question. Did these women sin? That they were marked unclean? No. And what a terrible theology that would make anybody think so. There is no sin. There is no error. There is no dirtiness. There is nothing about this. However, they had to clean themselves to be prepared to come close to the Lord. The same way you have to wash your hands after you've been playing outside. And the, the, this whole idea of not just sinning and unsinning, but, but of, of coming close to the Lord, be, being prepared for what comes next, is vitally important for us. It's embarrassing bad biology and bad theology if we misunderstand these things. People were unclean if they touched a dead body. Does that mean if if somebody died, you should just leave it there because I don't want to be marked unclean? How uncaring, how unkind. That's what we are called to do is to love our loss, right? And to engage with that. The only way forward 
is engaging with, the, with what the Lord has called us to do so that we can come close to him again. Life has marked many of us. We've, we've suffered gaps by the loss of loved ones. We've suffered gaps by, by disease, by, by failures of other people, by, by failures of ourselves, or just the way that life goes. And I think sometimes we, we feel like I've done everything right, and yet life is still not fair. What are we supposed to say to that? Well, close that gap and come close to God. He's made a way for us. Don't sit with that gap before you and say, well, I guess that's just the way it is, because he's calling us to his side. He's calling us to mind the gap and come close to him, because this is the way that life goes. This was the way that the Israelites understood their, their culture. You're going to get dirty. Things are going to happen, whether it's, it's sinful or whether it's life, and you have to deal with it and come close to him. It's been in the, the news for a while now, but people are making fun of these shoes. I don't know if you knew this now. You can buy pre-dirtied shoes. <laughs> we should all laugh at that. And they're very expensive. Have, have you all seen this? They're just like all over. The, like they're just pre-dirtied shoes that look like somebody, you know, ran a marathon on them. And you know, I can buy them for like three, four hundred bucks. Why? <laughs> and I mean, we, you get the pre-torn shoes, the pre-paint splatter shoes. I, 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 I get that in some way. The pre-dirtied shoes, I don't get <laughs> My shoes will get plenty dirty. Just <laughs> give me one time. They're going to get scuffed, and you're going to feel dirty. I, I played a lot of sports as a kid, and, and I was always the quote-unquote good kid, and I remember playing basketball, and I felt like a moral failure when I got called for a foul. I kid you not. <laughs> if, I, if, if, a, if a ref blew the whistle and I was the one who screwed up, I was embarrassed. I was like, oh, no, and I would play so timidly. And, and I was just like, I, I, I messed up. I'm so sorry. Like, and my dad came up to me because he was my coach. And he said, if you're not getting fouls caught on you, you're not playing. <laughs> and so I was like, all right. And there's this one kid who was like a foot shorter than me. And I was standing behind him. He'd go up and I just remember, stop. <laughs> and I got a foul called on me. Stop. Foul, fouled out of the game. <laughs> and my dad said, okay, but not like that. <laughs> but, but this is my point, right? If we're living life, we're not sidelined. We're engaged in the ebb and flow. Your hands get dirty. The passage of time. We will know loss and suffering. We will know failures, failures done to us and failures that we ourselves do. And praise God for that because that creates the space for us to come and know the grace of the Lord. And that's what we need to do. That's the plan, y'all. That's not the exceptional thing. We're not supposed to stay pristine and removed and, and step back and say like, well, you know, I just didn't want to mess up. There's a whole parable about that, remember? There's a guy who buried some, some, some talents under the ground because he's just like, I didn't want to mess up. I, I know you can be harsh. And, and what happened to him? <laughs> Was it favorable? No, we're meant to be engaged. We have to be engaged with life itself. Holiness is more than an antidote to disobedience and rebellion. It's more than the opposite. We cannot be in rebellion and still be no more holy, Okay. To become holy, we have to separate from the things of this world. We have to mind the gap and join with him as we leave behind everything else. Oneness with God, oneness with the Father, oneness with Christ, and separation from the rest. But then I, I'm afraid that we think of this as the monk on a hilltop, where we say, I'm only going to care about God. I'm, I'm not going to join with the rest of this. That doesn't work well because life happens. And our God is a living God, and he's moving and speaking and doing things. And if you're on a hilltop and trying to stay there, 
God is now in the valley loving the lost and the least. <laughs> and if we stay on that hilltop, we've missed where God is, and we have to get off that hilltop to engage once again with where the Father is. This is the pattern of life. This is where we go from week in to week out. Life is to be lived. Shoes will get dirty. There's this old saying, ships are safe in harbor, but that's not what ships are for, right? And I think Christians have made our mistake that we think we have to stay pristine and clean and holy, and we have stopped living life and engaging with the Holy Spirit in his compassionate reach for everyone who might be the lost and the least and forgotten. So let's live this out. We're talking about laws with this, right? Holiness, this idea of knowing what the Lord has called us to, being holy, being with God on his side of these things. These laws, these guides, this definition of who God is, how to know him, how to recognize his voice so we can mind that gap in Jonathan. We need to understand about laws and relationships, how these things work together. The problem is we've inverted this. We think we will follow the laws to get relationship. We think that the, the order of things is God said these things, so I need to do these things, and then I will be made right and proper and I can be with him. If we look at the story of Israel, that's not how it went. They were chosen, they were called, they were delivered, and then they were given the law. <laughs> once they were saved, once they were safe, once they were, were preserved and set apart from the rest of the world, then the Lord said, now that we're in relationship, let me explain to you how it works. Let me explain to you that whenever life happens, this is how you come back, because you are my own. And we still think the law must be the only way I can get to God. That the law is might how we understand him, recognize him, come close to him again. But it's because we've been saved. It's because we've been delivered. It's because he's called us and made a way by grace. That comes first. And then the laws make perfect sense. Then we want to figure out, how can I be a Christian today? How can I live a faithful life today? How can I please you, God? How can we maintain this relationship? Well, here you go. Let me tell you how to love your neighbor. Let me tell you what it looks like. How, let me tell you what the Lord's voice sounds like. Paul says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? Those outside don't have the same laws. They don't have the same relationship. I don't expect people who come over to our, our house to do the dishes or, or to mow the lawn. I mean, you're welcome to. But, <laughs> but that's not the order of things, right? That's for those of us on the inside. For completeness, I, I do want to say that there's things that we clearly recognize as sin, as moral failures, right, that are treated in, the, in a similar way of cleanliness and uncleanliness, and they need a ritual cleansing. And I want you to hear that, that the clean, unclean language is a literal practice, and it's a metaphor. We've talked about missing the mark before. It's kind of a definition on what it says for sin as well. But sin offerings is, is what is often called, too, the purification offerings. That's for unintentional sins. And then there's the atonement offerings, guilt offerings, and sticking with the idea of distance. I like that those are sometimes called trespass offerings. Can you think of distance? If you've trespassed, you've gone off the path. It's about distance and coming back. Whether it's through life, whether through it's through sin, whether it's through moral things that you've done, intentional or unintentional, this is the way back, is that we will understand where we're called and who we're meant to be. The idea is that in all of this, you have to take care of business to come close. Not that you are shamed and you stay away. That's the punishment of exile. That's the fate of the scapegoat, which we got into a little bit during Lent. That's why excommunication is terrible. Think about all the times that somebody's driven out from the Lord's presence. That is the ultimate consequence. 
because we are called to holiness and oneness with him. In light of this whole idea of, of, of distance, all right, let's look again at Romans 8, 38. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We cannot be separated. That gap has been minded. <laughs> that, that bridge has been brought. We, we are now at that point where we can come close because of the grace of the Lord. It's not that you have to find a path back. It's not that you have to try to do this. It's not tr harder. Never in my life has the good news been, if I tried hard, it would be better for me. That's not the gospel. The good news is a way has been made for me because of the grace of the Lord himself. We're talking about gaps. Talk about David. Moses would be great for this. Paul would be great for this. You could almost use any person in, in scripture and look at gaps. But, but David, I, I'm not going to go through scripture for this. I'm just going to give you some key points on, of his life that you can kind of think about how King David himself dealt with and overcame gaps. David before the throne, he was anointed and unrealized as king. There was a gap he had to deal with with the fact that I know I'm to be king of Israel and yet here I am getting spears thrown at me by the, by the active ruling king. Now I'm in a cave and he's hunting for my life. There's a gap between who I am now and who I am called to be. And he persisted and he wrote amazing psalms in that. After the throne, you thought, okay, I've arrived. I'm the king. Guess what? He was separated from the throne again by one of his sons who also wanted to hunt him down and kill him. There's two gaps here we could talk about. Again, David and his throne. And there's a little bit of family drama going on. Maybe you didn't get the <laughs> subtext there. But if your son wants to kill you, <laughs> dinner is going to be awkward. <laughs> They're not playing drinking or not drinking around that table when Absalom is, is hunting for David. Near the end, he was a warrior, and he wanted to build a temple. And he was told that because of the blood on his hands, he had himself. He was separated from his wife, many of his wives, not good practice. Michael despised him. He was separated from a newborn son because of his sins. That newborn son suffered death, and he lost, and he had a gap between what he longed for and what was realized in his own life. He was separated from the prophets of his day. He was separated from his kids. And even if we look at the Psalms that he wrote, he was separated from God himself. And he wrote these laments of, God, why have you hidden your face from me? This is David. David minded the gap, and he came close to the Lord. But we live this ourselves. We know our own gaps. Let's make this very concrete. You expect your kids to behave a certain way. They don't. <laughs> There's a gap in how you want them to be and how they are. How do we deal with that gap? You want to buy a car, you can afford a bicycle. There's a gap. <laughs> How do you deal with that gap? There's this thing from Instagram and versus reality. I, I like this photo that, that just kind of shows this gap that we all deal with, this gap between the idealized self and the real self, and, and how we, we project and we try to, to span this gap through mockery, or we try to span this gap through presenting certain things. We, we try to cultivate this image because we think, there, look, I'm on the other side of this gap. All these things that I want to be, all these things I want to realize, look, I can do it. I can be on that other side. 
there's actually a whole subreddit devoted to Instagram versus reality. If any kid suffers from social media, I feel like that is actually a healthy dose of saying everything's fake. <laughs> everything's fake. Realize what the internet has done to our own per perception. It's, it's actually dedicated to trying to tear down those walls. The thing is, we have to deal with our gaps, with our kids, with our finances, with ourselves, with our ambition, with our holiness. We have to deal with these gaps. One way or the other is unavoidable. John 16.33 says this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. The gaps are unavoidable. Yeah. Things are going to happen. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I've got a, a video I, I want you to watch real quick about overcoming the gap from an engineering point of view. I speed it up because after a little while you kind of get the point, but it's actually fascinating if you're like me and at all slightly so a geek. That's it. That's the, that's the end of this one. Minding the gap. How do you handle the gaps in your life? Is it frustration? Is, is it anger? Is it depression? Is it fear? Is there excitement or passion? Is there staring into the void and just wishing it weren't there? Is it saying, I should be better than this by now and dealing with it with blame? Do we have hope? Do we apply hard work to this? Do we strive more? We, we're gospel people, and the good news is never. You've got to try harder. The Snickers has this, um, this ad campaign, which we've always said, you know, that you're not you when you're hungry. Snickers, I disagree with you holistically. And the reason for that is because I think times of gap, be it hunger, be it stress, reveal something in ourselves. The kids will reveal what's in our hearts. That's nothing to, to, to feel the shame about and pull away from the gap and say, I just don't want to deal with that. Then we're leaving that gap. We're leaving that separation. We're not becoming who we're called to be. To mind the gap, we have to say, this is in me. Is this who I'm called to be? Lord, I want to join with you. I want to be holy. I want to be one with you. So for all these gaps, for all these failures, does fear pull us back? D does frustration pull us back? I've got personal failure here. You can ask Leah, you can ask my kids, you can ask our church leadership, and this is not false humility, and I'm not trying to sound woe and, and, and bad about myself, but our own problems with the gap doesn't disqualify us from our leadership and our calling and our purpose if we're pursuing Christ. If we bow in humility and if we move, move onward to join with him again, we're closing that gap. Years ago, I was never an angry person. Th th this is... I just, anger was not in my toolkit at all. I just didn't have anger. Then somebody in, in a church leadership position hurt me very badly. I had church trauma and hurt. And this is not to blame anyone, but I will tell you, I found the tool of anger. That whenever I saw a gap of holiness, somebody who's screwing up, all of a sudden I felt an anger, which I had never known before. And it began to become a tool that was more and more comfortable when I looked at any of these gaps in myself, in others, there was anger where there had never been anger before. That has to be dealt with. And I'm dealing with that. Not that I will tell you, church, I've already obtained these things, but one thing I do is I press onward to the goal that is ours through Christ Jesus ourself. I think you need to understand that hypocrisy, hypocrisy is not the difference between what we are and what we long to be, okay? That gap does not make us hypocrites. You need to hear this very clearly. It's not the gap between what we want to do and what we actually do. Hypocrisy is the gap between public persona and private character. Hypocrisy is the failure to practice what you preach. 
appearing outwardly righteous to others while actually being full of uncleanliness and self-indulgence. That's the definition of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is theatrical religion, religion as a means of personal enrichment or enhanced reputation. Church, a false accusation of hypocrisy paralyzes so many people in the church. If you're saying, oh, I shouldn't speak up because I would be hypocritical because my life isn't in order yet. This has been used as a weapon to silence people when we know there's a gap. <laughs> and to acknowledge that there's a gap, to recognize that church leader who has sexually abused somebody has sinned, and that is wrong. We need to call that out. That's a <coughs> gap and a failure that needs to be addressed. When we recognize anger and frustration in these things, we have to be able to say, there's a gap there. We are not one with Christ yet. We need to push through. When we see a church that is not loving the least and, and feeding the hungry, there's a gap. <coughs> if we are storing up wealth for ourselves, it is not hypocrisy to say that just because my life isn't perfect yet. A false accusation of hypocrisy, a false understanding of hypocrisy has paralyzed us. It's robbed us from addressing the gap as God has called us to. We're immobilized sometimes by that criticism because we're not yet perfect. Mind the gap and come close to the Lord and keep going. I've been watching the fallout of um, the Anaheim Vineyard, who which has left the vineyard movement. I, I just want to tell you, church, I'm embarrassed by Christians sometimes. There's a gap between who we are meant to be, and it's embarrassing because there's emotional immaturity. That there's, there's mistaking the things of this world for the things of heaven. There's a, a gap between these things. I, and I'm, I'm on these forums, and I see people just putting character attacks and just being childish and, and hurtful and spiteful. Spite in the church against your brothers and sisters is embarrassing to me. And I, I read these things, and I think, y'all need Jesus. <laughs> And I think, y'all need a pastor. And I look at my own life and I say, I need Jesus. I need a pastor. All of these things are true. And they can all be true at the same time. How many times do you see Christians in public or in the media and you think, oh no. <laughs> That's us. And I'm not talking about being ashamed by God or our faith. I'm saying about recognizing the gaps and being able to speak about them well. Turning a blind eye to maturity or sinfulness from inside the church doesn't help our witness. Generally speaking, we're destination-driven. We think we need to just be on that other side and be done with this gap, and we don't appreciate the journey on how we get from here to there. Again, remember with cleanliness, this is the journey. We are constantly minding the gap. You don't get to the other side and then say, I'm done. <laughs> I've done what I need to do. The gap is closed, and nothing is going to ever shake me from this again. The journey is one of pursuing the Father and everything that he does, joining with him in his work today. You never arrive in a relationship. Imagine if the beginning of my dating with Leah, I gave her a book, and I said, here is everything you need to know about me until the day I die. <laughs> Read it, memorize it. Now will you marry me? And then that's it, and we don't speak, and we don't do anything else after that because she already has all the answers. She knows my sense of humor. She knows the movies I like. Why, why must I speak to my wife now? She already knows all this stuff. How caring and kind is that? It may be um, funny to think about that, but you know, I had this idea when I graduated from college that like I was done learning. I don't want to be tested anymore. I don't want to have to worry about that anymore. Just, just close that book on that chapter of my life and, and just kind of move on. It took a few years to realize there is still so much to learn. There's still so much growth to do. When you move out of the house, you think, oh, I'm now an adult. 
guess what? Adults have junk that they have to deal with. We have sorrows and losses. We have maturity that we still have to gain. We have to mind those gaps and grow up, or else we're a church of children who are hurting each other and who are spiteful and angry. To be done is to be laid to rest. The idea of sanctification of holiness is about coming close. Life happens. Death comes close. Time passes. God is moving, so follow him. Christ will discipline us. Morgan, you, you had the sermon already when you shared it beforehand. Christ will discipline us. It could be pruning. Christ will use all things for the good. The path isn't one once saved, all good. Don't worry about it ever again because it's discipleship building. It's character building. I, I don't like quoting Wimber. I really don't. But he says so many things so witty and so wise that it's often worth remembering what he said. He wrote this about worship, and I, I remember this all the time. He says, the difficulty will not be so much in the writing of new and great music. The test will be the godliness of those that perform and deliver it. In that sense, some of our worship community is not well prepared. Many have been allowed into worshiping because there's a need for their worship and musical skills. But little has been said to them about the need for godliness, spirituality, and depth of maturity in their individual and family lives. Quite frankly, many of our musicians are just not steeped in a daily spirituality. And it's not just worship leaders and musicians and pastors or elders. It's the witness of the church if we mind this gap and if we're coming close to him. This is the plan, church. This is the way things are meant to go. This is an exception for bad times. We are meant to be disciples and follow the Lord and close this gap. If you go to the Grand Canyon and you don't expect a big hole, <laughs> the problem isn't with the Grand Canyon. <laughs> The problem is with you. You get to the canyon, you think, what am I supposed to do now? There's a giant hole here, and I want to get to the other side. The journey can be a great adventure. Amen. The journey can be this, the sighting of, of the greatest glory that God has created. As you go down, as you come up, as you see it, the gap does not have to be feared when it is addressed and understood and appropriate. This is discipleship. This is full life. Leah said it this way. We're not trying, we're not striving to be like Christ. We want to spend time with him so that we do become like him. Amen. So throw off everything that hinders. Close that gap. I want to read Philippians 3 again for us. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to be resurrection from the dead. Now that I've not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take a such a view on things. And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Let us live up to what we have already attained. The Grand Canyon is that major inconvenience. You need to be on the other side, but a fantastic adventure. 
with a pastor when we take the time. This isn't self-help because God provides the way. That's the good news. The way is grace. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you're tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. 2 Corinthians 2, 14, I feel like we skip over this one often. It's not so well repeated, but it's so beautiful. Thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. We're being led as captives to spread him everywhere we go as we mind this gap. The gap has to be forever closed because God isn't stagnant. He isn't dead. He isn't still. His words have not ceased. The world keeps on changing. <coughs> this is not biblical, but I think that this is pretty good for us to th remember too. There's an old adage, you can't step foot in the same river twice, right? Because it's not the same river and you're not the same person. Let's pray. Lord, we want to join with you on your side. We want to remember your ways, and Father, and turn from the ways of this world. <coughs> Father, we want to be present with you. We want to know, Father, what it is to join with you in your sufferings, to join with you in the resurrected life, that we can begin that life even here and now. <coughs> so, Father, wherever there's a gap in this room, wherever somebody has, has struggled with this, with frustration or fear or grief, we want to come close to you with our pain, with our triumph, with our laments, with our hopes, with our longings. Because by grace we have been saved. And we are not done, Father. For as long as we draw breath, we want to follow you. So church, I bless you this week. I bless you to hear the Lord. I bless you to, to reach for maturity. I bless for you to see what Paul has called us towards, what Christ has given us with a full life. To not have shame color your doubts and to not have shame cause you to look at these gaps and to just sit down out of frustration or fear and say, well, I guess it just is what it is. That we will press on towards the goal that is ours in Christ Jesus. I bless you, church, with the knowledge that a Savior has loved you and has called you to a relationship with him. In his name I pray. Amen.